It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're Friday Night Games. It's so awkward all the time. <laughs> it's a this time. So we are two board game enthusiasts who are both asymmetrically designed to podcast Matt with the laugh track and John with the words. As I don't say anything right there. But hey, why not? <laughs> On today's show, we're going to have another stereotypical podcast about everyone's favorite game, Root by Letter Games. And today we have a special guest. We're joined by Megan and Tristan of the Girl Meets Nerd podcast. We will discuss their podcast, talk about the game route, discuss what a game needs to appeal to the non-advanced board gamer, what they're excited to play next, and maybe we'll talk about Canada somewhere in there since we're all Canadian. So Megan and Tristan, big welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Warm welcome. A true Canadian welcome. Eh? A boot? Should, should we let us talk in like Canadian stereotypes, eh? You hosers? <laughs> Megan and Tristan, you have a newer podcast called Girl Meets Nerd. When did that come out exactly? Mm-hmm. The Girl Meets Nerd podcast started kind of, I guess it was about May. I always say that I started this podcast kind of as a fever dream <laughs> because I legitimately was napping one time and I woke up and I was like, I need to make this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tristan is a huge nerd and I was not a nerd and we decided to make a podcast about it. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. So just before we get into everything, where can people find you? Sites, platforms, social media? Yeah, absolutely. So we just launched a brand new website, actually, girlmeetsnerd.com. And we also are on Twitter at girlmeetsnerd and on Instagram at girlmeetsnerdpodcast. As well, we are on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and I'm sure more places in the future. Nice. So what is the basic premise of your show? Basic premise kind of follows our journey together getting into board games and other nerdy things. Like Megan said, when we met, I was far more nerdy than she was. And I kind of discovered that that was something that I would be able to share. So I was slowly introducing Megan into different TV shows, board games, video games, Dungeons and Dragons. And it was a slow process. And I was learning that there were so many more things than I initially thought that somebody could love about all of the things that I loved. So the premise of the podcast was to share those things to people who see this sort of like nerd, all the, these nerd hobbies as having a really big barrier to entry. Yeah. And what are some good games to play to get into it? What are some TV shows to get into if you want to watch fantasy shows? Or how can you start playing Dungeons and Dragons? Basically to try and make the nerd world a little less scary. Because for me, I had Tristan to guide me into it and I realized how cool it was. But most people don't have that. I was going to say, I, the same thing with me, right? Like my wife and I, we, you know, when we started dating, we would buy board games to play with each other. But like our board games, you know, not saying that they're bad games, but consists of like Monopoly, Scrabble, Jenga, like all those classic like entry level board games, I guess you can say. And it never really spawned much from that until we moved back to Windsor and I 
ended up just going out one night with Matt and some friends for a friend's birthday. And he's like, yeah, we did this like board game night every, every night, Friday. every Friday. <laughs> and, and then we, I think the first one I, I went to, we played dead of winter and I was like, oh man, like board games are way better than what I thought they were. So then I slowly introduced some new games to my wife and she's really into like other board games now too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, my wife doesn't uh, like anything nerdy. I don't. <laughs> she likes cooking and uh, the 1910s. I think that's where she wants oh to gosh. be. Oh my gosh! 1910s. I literally forced her to watch Star Wars. I think like two years ago, and she hated it. She was oh. just like, "Why are you like?" I don't. I don't know if I think I. I didn't listen to your Star Wars podcast, but I don't, did you like it, Megan? Yes, I did. I, but I I watched it when I was a kid, and I hated it. So I really had to revisit it with a. With with a strong lens of like <laughs> openness. <laughs> You're an amazing uh, significant other because my wife, <laughs> she was watching it the whole time and was just like, why is this acting so bad? Oh, I definitely said that. Okay. I definitely, in our podcast, was like, here's a drinking game. Every time the acting is bad and Anakin looks like he's constipated, take a shot. <laughs> my, my wife was literally like, the only character in here worthwhile is Yoda. She's like, she's like, she's like, I love Yoda. I don't like anyone else. So she's like, they're all stereotyped. Like, this is hilarious. Was there anything you guys were doing together or separately before you guys started the podcast? I did notice a cooking blog. Let's <laughs> oh, go point that oh, out there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, used to run, and I guess I still have it, a uh, cooking blog because I love to cook. I cook everything under the sun, but it was called The Whisking Witch. And that's because Tristan always calls me a witch in the kitchen. But after a while, I started to find it difficult to be inspired to write recipes because I really didn't like the process of trying to, this is going to sound so pretentious, but like trying to put my creativity into a recipe, like it just didn't feel as rewarding or fun. So I ended up kind of letting it go because I wasn't enjoying it anymore, which is why I love this podcast because I have so much fun talking to everybody about all the fun, nerdy things that I love. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem about being like having that creative field, right? Like for me, if something's not like 100% the vision that I had in my brain when I put it out, it's like complete garbage to me. And like, I hate it mm -hmm. and I just want to quit. That's just my brain. And like, you know what I'm trying to take like better, like for photography for our, our Instagram and stuff like that. And like, I have no idea how to use my camera properly, but I, I, I hold in my hand. I'm like, yeah, I got this. And then I take a picture and it's like garbage. <laughs> I just want to like throw it. So I, I can, I, I can, I can uh, understand the frustration of trying to get like your mental creativity down into a physical thing. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah, it's a love it's a problem. Yeah, it's a love hate relationship in my brain with that kind of stuff. So and I'm like a complete artist. Like I've graphic design background, music background, like everything. So I'm very critical of myself uh, when it comes to stuff that's I produce, I guess. Cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> well <laughs> I have opinions but it. I'm just not I'm not gonna like I won't carry on, but I like I was just gonna say like from my background, it's all about starting and just keeping going forward, right? And just getting better as you go. Exactly. I'm I'm good at nothing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all Canadian, so we're all good at that. Mm -hmm. Um. So I have two questions That's for everyone. For everyone. For everyone. Okay. So. Okay. Um. What's your favorite Canadian chocolate bar? Go. Anyone. Coffee Crisp. Okay. Mars Bar. Mars. Is that Canadian? I think so. I think there's a version that's similar in the United States. I think a Milky Way is a Mars Bar. Is Twix Canadian? Because I love Twix. Uh, I don't know. I don't think either. No, I don't think either of those are. 
I know. I, I work. I, think I just found out that I don't know any Canadian chocolate. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Uh, co- Coffee Crisp. Coffee Crisp is Canadian. And then Wonder Bar. Ever had a Wonder Bar? Oh, I do not mm. like those. No. What? That's... I like all chocolate bars. Yeah. Who doesn't like all chocolate bars here? Oh, yeah. I got a list here. Mine's Coffee Crisp for sure. I'll eat coffee for this all day every day big turk man crunchy. i wanted oh i love big turk actually <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. mr big score the crunch I do bar like mr. big Ooh, crispy crunch crispy crunch i like crispy crunch twix mm-hmm. is canadian like twix crunch. is canadian twix is no canadian. We, have, nice. twix, we have yes. no we have twix at the office well then they're getting oh. it from canada <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> i don't believe this list that's right, fine though whatever okay and then second question all dressed chips or ketchup chips? Ooh. All dressed. Oh, ketchup. Ketch- all dressed for sure. We buy all dressed more at my house because my wife doesn't like ketchup, but I freaking love ketchup chips. Oh, I love all dressed. I do not like. <laughs> all dressed is all like. All dressed all the way. Yeah, they just like, it's like they just mix all the flavors in like a bowl and like toss it on the chips. <laughs> <laughs> John, are you from the East Coast? I am not. See, Tristan is, so that's why I say he likes ketchup chips. Like, it must be an East Coast thing. It is not. <laughs> I think so. It must be. Maybe you're. Gross. I have a lot of friends from the East Coast. Yeah, see, that's probably what it is. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the influence. Yeah, you're just all together eating ketchup chips on any day, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's so, all it's all they get. So what you we know? do when we get together is just eat ketchup chips. <laughs> Honestly, I think you do. Where, where on the East Coast are you from, Tristan? I'm from Halifax. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it's my, one of my best friends is from uh, Halifax, and his uh, sis, his sister still lives there. So, oh, amazing! Yeah, I think they were born on yeah, Cape hard. Cape Breton Island, but they lived they lived in Halifax when they grew up. Oh yeah, yeah, I have a couple friends from Cape Breton who moved down as well. And that's why you both love ketchup chips. I'm just gonna put out there. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <for> shared history. <laughs> All right, <laughs> all right. Now that we got that out of the way, whew. <laughs> so. This wouldn't be a stereotypical board game podcast if we didn't talk about the 2018 game of the year, which is Root by Letter Games. Every advanced board gamer has probably at least heard about this game. So instead of boring everyone, let's describe it in our own unique way. So who wants to start? I can start, I guess. Okay, good. An adventurous war game where creatures fight to win territory of the woods yeah i, I agree with that <laughs> it's a territorial game yeah uh, megan or tristan you want to throw one in there tiny woodland creatures <laughs> turn evil and battle each other in a hilarious and adorable landscape nice. thank you mine is risk 2.0 so a weighty <laughs> strategy game with a really large manual game about animals fighting for points in different ways okay okay come on tristan no pressure oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> something unique <laughs> I would say a cute war game where woodland creatures compete for territory where the theme of each faction really comes through. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like that one. Yeah, that's definitely really good because it's true. Every faction has a different principle to their gameplay. And that's kind of what makes the game so unique is you're going through and discovering a different animal, a, a different, you know, what, a really cute animal creature every time you play. They are so cute. They're like so the cute. little tiny meeples. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? And they all have like big eyes and they're just like smiling. It's like, what? We recently got the lizard cult and I know that nobody listening to this will be able to visualize this, but one of the lizards in the like 25 lizards that we have has an eyebrow that must have been a misprint but it's kind of like raising its eyebrow at us it's 
awesome. Just oh. one of them has a raised eyebrow. Really? I'm let's get up. our box and yeah. let's uh, go get it. We'll, we'll look at that later. <laughs> we confirm that. Uh, I'll send you one for your Instagram. One particularly <laughs> evil. Oh, <laughs> uh, those guys are evil, man. I, I feel like they like letter games would have done that on purpose because they put a lot of effort into their presentation. We'll see if it's a misprint if we have one. This guy's particularly evil. Yeah. So I know that Megan reached out to you, Matt, to do a great Canadian podcast swap, and we we asked you guys kind of what game you like to talk about and you of course you answered with root so how did you two get introduced to the game or where did you hear about it yeah i think that was me mm-hmm. who was first introduced to it i was with some friends at a board game cafe i was trying to think about the answer to this question because we've been playing it so much i <laughs> wasn't remembering the first time but we recently moved and so in making friends i started going to a board game cafe and we had a little group that got put together and one of the members in the group was sort of picking out the games and had a specific list of games that he wanted to play and Root was on that list and it took five seconds of looking at the game and reading through the rule book for me to become completely hooked. That being said, Tristan loves a big rule book, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, when so you said that, know. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, are you? So you're the rules person. You're the person making... You're the person everyone gets angry at if the rules are wrong. Or yes. <laughs> I'm always trying yeah. to like pretend like I didn't know that that rule existed and Tristan's like, yeah. page six, look it up. Oh, it's man. in the law of Root. Six point one point seven point thirteen. Just this is a funny note. Uh, so I have a math degree, and it reminds me of my like third year math textbooks. Like you have this like mm-hmm. curl, curl, like a theory, and it's like theory one point six eight two, and then C theory, you know, one point one. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly the way root is written, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the theory of law, and then I think I introduced it. To you, Meg. Yeah, I was not thrilled at all. No. <laughs> oh. Something, oh, no. oh. something about yeah, something about me is that I am highly resistant to all of Tristan's nerdy advances. <laughs> to, to, no, no, no. I would say with board games, you're very resistant to learning a new game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like anything where I have to learn new rules or whatever, I'm just yeah. I'm out from the beginning. I'm like, I'm not gonna like this. It's fine. Let's just play root again. You know, like yeah. let's not try anything new. But I've come to to learn your taste, and so if I can get you over that first hurdle, typically these things become your favorite games, like yeah. with Root. Mm-hmm. I'm going to so. say Root is a very hard game to get into, especially mm-hmm. since every faction has different rules. Yeah, yeah, that was probably the hardest part. And you need to understand each of the factions to really know what you're up against. Right, which I don't think anyone ever does. <laughs> Unless no. you play it a lot. No. Unless you play it a lot, because you're saying you play it a lot, Tristan, so maybe maybe you might have an idea what everyone does. Yeah, we play it a lot, but I don't think... Probably not that much. We're okay. even scratching <laughs> yeah. the surface of how to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, Megan, as like a, a non-nerd, what, what a, so you, you got through the game, and it appeals to you now, I'm assuming. So what really made it appeal to you after you learned it? So the other part, which is kind of a conflicting part of my personality, is I'm extremely competitive and I love anything with strategy. So while I'm very resistant to learning new games, I love them once I get started. Also, what appealed to me was exactly what Tristan mentioned earlier. The themes of each character are so, so well done, I feel, in this game. The fact that the marquee, the way that they play, is very reminiscent of like a dominant industrial 
faction and then the way that the birds play kind of resembles how you know the turmoil and the uprising and all of this they're just so thematic that i really really like to get into that nice i think for me at first it was the aesthetic of the aesthetic of the game i know like the board looked nice the meeples of course and when i kind of discovered it people were loving it at the time and you know when matt went to gen con i was like you have to pick this game up for me but then i texted him like 17 other games that i wanted <laughs> instead i was like just just pick just just buy me one um but uh <laughs> I think there's a lot of hype and I feel like it was a game that we needed in our collection just mm-hmm. for what we were starting to do. So I think it, Root came out, or Root was out, but it was getting hype kind of right at the cusp of when we started doing the podcast or shortly after. Root actually came out in 2018 yeah. and apparently from what I heard at PAX Unplugged, it had a, had a lineup to demo. Had a lineup around like the room, like a huge room to demo the game, which is pretty impressive. When we were playing it, they had the new expansion that just came out. So it was getting a little bit more hype from that, but it was a good game. Right. And yeah. people heard about it, and, you know, it's pretty typical. And I, I mined the Board Game Geek stats, so I knew it was popular right away. So I'm like, well, we should probably... Of all the pop, really popular games, that one appealed the most to me because it looked really nice. And just like you were saying, Megan, like, the different factions all have, like, these really cool twists on the... Like, super cute animals with, like, hey, here's Industrial Marquee, or here is, like, you know, the resist the Resistance, which is the Alliance, right? Like, you just have these, yeah. like... You know, <laughs> My favorite has to be the lizard cult. They're so culty. It's amazing. <laughs> They're fun to play. I really oh, yeah. like playing them. Yeah. Okay, so who would everyone recommend the game to? That's a tough one. We've definitely introduced the game to a lot of our friends just because we love to play it. and um, We need players. Yeah, we need players <laughs> to play it with. But I would recommend it to people. Like, I definitely wouldn't talk about this game on our podcast, at least not yet, because it's definitely not a beginner's game. No. First of all, most people who are new to board games, at least myself, I didn't even really consider that asymmetric games existed. So I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that my rules were not the same as Tristan's rules, were not the same as my sister's rules. Like, I didn't like that I didn't know how they were playing the game. Right. So I think it definitely needs to be for gamers who are A, looking to read into the rules because it's really important that you understand them, and B, are looking for a bit more of a challenging game than your average, like, I don't know, like, what else do we play? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what Carcassonne or, like, words. Seven Wonders or, like, obviously these are different games. But um, if you play games like that, I wouldn't recommend Root. Tristan? Yeah, I think that I would agree. I, I would definitely not recommend it to, a, like, I wouldn't use it as a game to introduce somebody to the hobby. And I wouldn't recommend it to new groups who are trying to get into games together because it is a little bit daunting. I mean, it has, I believe, three rule books the super <laughs> rule book, the learn to play rule book, and then the, like, middle ground rule book. Mm-hmm. So I think I would recommend it to groups who like war games, who would be invested in just the quality of the pieces and the art that goes along with them. For my friends who really love when themes come through in the games, that's something that I really love, like the flavor text on cards and just what is the theme of the game. That's really strong in Root. And the asymmetrical piece is also a big one. If you Like I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who really, really likes perfect balance in a game because it's definitely not perfectly balanced all of the factions have mechanisms to balance each other out but it can be a little bit swingy 
That's a very long-winded answer. That's okay. <laughs> no, that's great. That's actually a perfect answer because I was going to say the same thing. It's definitely for a group that a, a more advanced group. Maybe people have been playing a little bit more advanced games with a little more ruley stuff in there. And I feel it's for a group that wants to continue playing. So if you're going to play a game of Root, you should expect to play Root for the next month or two together. Right. Over several games. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. definitely. Yeah, you, that's a good You definitely point. need a couple games under your belt before it really gets going. I'm, li- I'm listening to Megan, you know, talk about the game. And I just, my, my wife is just, you, you sound just like my wife. Like, she hates when I bring new board games to the, to the table because she's got to <laughs> learn something. And I always want to play Root with her because I know how competitive she is in games. And she would, like, thrive at this game and she would probably destroy me each game and but i just know like the complexity of it and i have a hard time with the with the rules in root and you know i played it probably like four or five times even once by myself and i'm still like i have no idea what i'm doing playing it so to bring that and i'm a terrible teacher so i, w- I wouldn't even be able to really teach You're my wife the game teacher. but uh <laughs> <laughs> she hates when i teach her the game so um <laughs> So yeah, that's I I just I just I really want Root is a game I really want to play with my wife, but I know I would just have a, such a hard time explaining the rules to her, and actually getting it to the table enough times where she would in, enjoy it. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You need almost a dedicated teacher, someone who's going to learn all the not necessarily all the factions, but have an idea on how all the factions are going to play to explain it to people. Because remember when we tried to play it with the group the first time, and I had to learn all the rules and. I literally had to learn the rules for every single faction, and then I was just guiding everyone through it. But it was a disaster. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience as well. Oh really? Oh, it was, except yeah. he loves rules. But the first I love time rules we too. played it, we were in the board game cafe. It oh, w- yeah. We were oh, mostly no. strangers. Like we had met up a couple of times, and my friend plops down root, oh, no. and all of us are like, "Oh my god, there's so much going on here." He had played it one time, but he didn't really fully understand all of the rules. And just because I do like the rules, people were naturally sort of asking me questions like, what do I do here? What is this? And I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> let's take a look at what the rules are. Yeah, let's yeah. let's all spend 20 minutes <laughs> analyzing yeah. the, each faction. Yeah. Well, I think it was funny for our first playthrough, like at the end of the game, I took a picture and be like, ha I beat everybody. And I was just playing the Vagabond. And then Letter Games is like, dude, you guys were playing that way wrong. <laughs> of course you won. You're looking at your board. You're like the most powerful thing we've they, ever created. They totally, they totally <laughs> called us out on it, which was which was funny. It was funny. They have a good sense of humor. If you ever tag them, they'll they'll respond. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. They called you. <laughs> oh, and then and then Matt shared it like not too long ago on Twitter as like a throwback and like hey can you spot what we did wrong here and they're like yep (laughs) (laughs) they're like yeah everything (laughs) but i I guess like from another perspective one thing so we we played it just what this weekend on friday right and one of the things that really helped me is i play i played a lot of solo i played like 10 or 12 solo games Mm. before i taught it to john this friday again Mm -hmm. so that was actually really helpful because then i could understand how all the factions worked Right. And that, yeah. How is that experience? I, I actually love it. It's really fun. It's some of the bots are really hard though. <laughs> yeah. I, I basically lose all the time. But well, I we played all the with time the bot anyway. and lost. 
Yeah, the bot beat us. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah, I totally recommend the Clockwork mm. expansion. If you could pick that up, it's really, it's worth it for sure. We have all the expansions, but we're we, we actually, haven't it yet. yeah, we're actually pacing ourselves because we've been so bored, <laughs> like Home Alone. We're like, okay, in two months, if we make it, we can open the Clockwork <laughs> expansion. <laughs> I actually recommend opening that right away because then it gives you a co-op experience too. You can you can play two yeah. people versus yeah. the bot, and it kind of mm-hmm. teaches you the other factions. Like they're they're different, but you kind of understand the bots have strategies that are similar to the way human would work too. So it's like a good way of understanding mm-hmm. the game. Nice. And also, don't do the mechanical marquee from the River Folk expansion because that is like the hardest it's, bot I've ever it's played so... in my life. Oh my gosh, it's so yeah. hard. We tried it when we just had the River Folk, and we were like, "This is impossible! Like, what are we doing wrong?" It is actually impossible. And I went on the I went on the internets and started googling, and people were like, "Everyone's just complaining about it," which is why the Clockwork expansion came out because it's actually something called the Better Bot Project that some okay. fans created to make the better single player experience. Nice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we played the mechanical marquee incorrectly first and it was going horribly and then once we started playing them correctly they caught up very quickly and destroyed both of them. <laughs> so that checks out to me <laughs> yeah it's like it doesn't even matter <laughs> they're just gonna yeah. beat you <laughs> yeah so okay what's everyone's favorite played faction so far as i mentioned before i love the lizard folk yeah me too the like the lizard cult is so cool i insist on gregorian chanting between all my moves (laughs) i'm like i will sanctify (laughs) i love that they're just so evil and sneaky and they don't care about everyone else so it's again that thematic element that i love about them Plus the eyebrow guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I also said the lizard called. I like that, like how dangerous they are I and mean, how powerful they are. And, you know, like Megan said, very tricky. And I just love how they can transform the clearings into their gardens. And, you know, that they, they have those strategies built into them. So, like, when you take turns to purposely putting warriors in spots where you know they're going to die so you can gain acolytes. So you can use those to convert other players into your cult while dur- during the outcast phase. It's, it's, it's really cool. I really liked that faction. Very powerful and very strategic. What about you, Tristan? I really love the river folk, I believe is what they're called. The Is that what it is? The, the, the otters, otters. Yeah. Yes. Is it, is it the, river? the river folk company? Yes, the Riverfolk Company. I really love them. I really love just the concept of having an open market <laughs> during the game and being able to adjust the prices and have temptation for everybody. So everybody can buy the cards and they either have to all not buy the cards together and just decide not to engage in this temptation. But more often than not, one player will start to buy from me and they will start to go out of control with power and then everybody else has to as well and it just creates that interesting dynamic that i really love and i love running the river that was something that happened in one of our more recent games i was playing as the river folk and was pretty passive people were just buying the soldiers buying the cards but i think you meg played the dominance card and three of the points that you held were on the river and I spent my turn just moving up and down the river and knocking you completely out. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> Again, that theme came out. I was like, yes, I run the markets and I run the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. That's actually the only faction I haven't played. So it's cool to hear that oh, you say it's the best. They're awesome. And I think they work well with the lizard folk too, if I'm they not do, mistaken. Yeah. If you like play 
oh, they play it right. They, they they help each other out. Really? And you can, I think like otters you can like put in place of the lizard folk or something like that. I was reading up on it a little bit. I don't know exactly how it all works. Yeah. the I found that the factions that benefit from having specific cards in their hand pair really well with the otters because they can you can then buy the cards that you need instead of just drawing them. And I don't think that we have played where you were buying mercenaries from me for any purpose no just because we only really played two yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i could see that being pretty strong too that sounds really cool. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta give that a try, but it's hard. It's hard because I have to learn it, and you can't really learn it with a single player. Yeah, yeah, and especially the river folk. Especially them, yeah. It, it's, it's tough to play with mechanical. At least that's what my opinion is, because you know you need somebody who wants to buy your cards and blah blah blah. Yeah need a human to interact with yeah it is cool though the better bot project is they're supposed to be releasing rules for that soon hopefully yeah look out for that so that should be really neat i guess mine would be i have two so i play with the moles and the newest expansion the underground one and they're really cool because they can i'm dying to try those oh they're so cool because they they can tunnel into like anyone's base basically and then they can start a fight so you're like this like (laughs) surprise attack and you make a ton of warriors too so you could basically build a big army and then surprise you know mole into someone's base and just start taking them out that's amazing so i had a lot of fun playing them and then the other one i don't know if you played it but it was the vagabond Uh, i actually played it right yes (laughs) and uh (laughs) it actually is it's a lot of fun because you're kind of just your own entity and you're going around playing both sides of every faction and you know stealing their items and getting better and and then you can and then you can actually get really good in combat and take out everybody too a lot of fun playing them did anyone try vagabond on your side yeah yeah we both have i haven't oh you haven't it's the only one i haven't played Yeah. Tristan, I, if we were, one the we were close times. by, I'd be like, I'm coming over. <laughs> I'm teaching you Vagabonds. <laughs> You're teaching know, right? me River Folk. But that'll be like a four hour drive. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To Windsor, is it four? Where do you two live? Waterloo? We're in Waterloo. Waterloo. It's uh, three. Three hours. That's not too bad. Uh, three ish. It's yeah. not so bad. It's Ontario. <laughs> you know, you can drive four hours and stay in Toronto. That's true. That's, true. That's very true. It once took me three and a half hours to drive from Pickering to the Toronto airport. I know. Right? <laughs> it's insane. I grew up in Mississauga and I just didn't know that you could go so far in an hour inside the GTA. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like I feel like once you hit Mississauga in the GTA, you're going like 10 kilometers per hour. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. which is yeah. like three miles per hour for those who don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Moving into the GTA from Halifax was an experience for sure i never knew the meaning of traffic until i started living around toronto oh it's i hate it yeah (laughs) i hate it there's like no traffic on the east coast i like my wife and i drove the cabot trail and saw maybe two cars (laughs) the entire time and i'm just like where is everybody (laughs) that's all of them yep what is the appeal of root to say a non-advanced board gamer what does everyone think i think the appeal, at least the appeal that I used when I was introducing it to Megan was the art and the pieces in the game, like the quality of the pieces, but also the design of them and the asymmetrical aspect of the game and the potential that was there. 
I remember when I came home after playing Root for the first time, I don't even think I was making coherent sentences. No. I was like, <laughs> and I was I was playing as an empire, and then there, I was like these birds, and they're up and down, and then there was another guy, and he was like an alliance, and he was like popping up everywhere. And that excitement, I think, is a really big part of the game where everybody plays so differently, and it's a very unique game compared to other advanced board games and other non-advanced board games. I certainly had never been introduced to a concept like this until I started playing Root. Yeah, it's very unique. I I, I think the appeal comes to just how cute the animals are. Yeah. Because uh, my wife, who's not a gamer at all, saw the box when I brought it home, and she's like, oh, this is so cute. She's like, can I play this? And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then you pop open the rule book and then she's like, I don't want to play this anymore. I'm going to go bake bread or do something or read 19, 1910 novels. Go back to 1910. I would go with like the, how cute the like meeples are, the artwork. So I know that's what appealed to me when I first saw it. And I was like, oh, this game looks adorable. And yeah, it definitely kicked my ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that like I, I wouldn't consider myself to be an advanced gamer. While I am much more, <laughs> much more versed in board games now than I was when we started playing more than like Monopoly together, I still wouldn't consider myself to be an advanced gamer. As I said, I get tired with rules and learning new games. So for me, the big appeal was exactly what you said, like the artwork and the quality of the game is so gorgeous. But I also really liked the story, like the lore behind the game mm. and the idea that, oh, there was this dynasty and then they got kicked out by the Marquis and then here's the uprising. And I just really love the story of all the different factions and how they interact together. Very cool. Yeah, that kind of has kept me learning it and trying to get better. So so let's get away from Root for a second here. So what do you, what do you think non-advanced board gamers want in a game? What's everyone's opinion on that? What do you think people, like, what do you think a non-advanced board gamer wants? Again, being one myself. <laughs> Hello, Hi. I'm the non-advanced board gamer. <laughs> the resident F- expert. For me, it really is, I want a game, and this is not Root, but I want a game that I can sit down, learn the rules, and feel like I'm going to have fun playing without trying to weed through all of the, like, minute details. So Root definitely was not in this category, (laughs) but I kind of made an exception for the cute raccoon character. But in general, I'm looking for a game that the rules are clear, the objectives are clear, and it's going to be fun from the beginning. Yeah, I think a fun factor has to be a big part of it. I know when I bring games home to my wife, that has to be enjoyable for her. I'm kind of getting her into the, the other side. I brought Everdell home one day, and I know that wasn't a game that she would normally play, but she loved it. We play that. We bought all the expansions. We play it like every time we have a game night together. That's the game we play. So she's getting into the like a little bit heavier of board games, but I got to make sure that it's still going to be like easy to teach and still fun. But as long as there's some good strategy in there where she can manipulate to beat me, she'll have fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as long as you let her win, she's. I don't have to let her win, man. Like she legit just beats me. My four-year-old beat me in Surreal the other day, so like that says a lot about how I play games. I, I was going to say my wife, whenever I introduce her a game, she wants to get into the game right away. She doesn't want to have to read rules or set up. We played, I don't know if you ever heard of Pretz a Porte, but it's a very advanced, 
economical game about the fashion industry. So she like loved the art. Mm. She loved everything about it. I'm like, oh, sweet. So we'll play it. Well, then like, you know, two hours go by me setting up the game and reading all the rules. And she's like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> she was like literally like doing something else for two hours as I'm like trying to figure everything out. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was you. I, I would probably just piggyback on everything that has been said. The fun factor is really huge. Like these are the things I was considering when I was introducing Meg the games. How fun it is, how quickly we can get into actually playing the game, or how long I could hold your attention to introduce mm. you to the rules, like how engaging the learning process is, and the theme slash look of the game. Is it like a visually interesting game? Does it look nice? Does it have a cool theme? Or is it too abstract? Like if it's too abstract and you're just introducing somebody to a game, I find that it's not as like the hook isn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that on 100%. Because I was going to say like Root, Root has a hook, but it's just way too advanced. <laughs> Even for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. <laughs> it's advanced for us. So. Yeah. I, it, like, and it's funny because I think uh, Meg and I listened to one. You're, did you start playing D&D or did you start learning about it? Is that what happened? Yeah, I started playing D&D probably two years ago now, but I didn't even really know what it was besides the name until I met Tristan, and then <laughs> I started playing and trying to learn the rules at the same time, and it was Whew. it was tough. Let's was put tough. it that way. <laughs> but you were very engaged with the role-playing aspect. Yeah. Okay. So we were able to, like, I was interested in the rules and developing the game and DMing, and the role-playing hook was big enough for yeah. you to start to learn the rules or at least follow along what I was saying. <laughs> Cause I'm going to say like D and D is probably the most advanced board game anyone will ever play. Right. It's like the board game of all board games. Like take all everything True. that's so yeah. hard to learn, throw it into a book, make everyone learn it. Right. <laughs> Shake it all Shake up. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is also cool. Cause there's also a root D and D that, that came out very recently. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was trying to get my hands on one of those copies. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? I got I got one yeah, from the I did not succeed. Yeah, I got one from the uh, free uh, RPG day. Um, it ha- it I know, has I a... looked into that, but <laughs> nobody near us was having anything. Oh, so. uh, all right. I'll see. I'll uh, I'll scan it and then I can send it to you guys. There you go. It's a oh yeah. My gosh, I would love that. Amazing. Yeah, it's only like ten pages or something, so it's not it's oh. not huge. Oh really? That's yeah, really it's small. it's one campaign. Oh yeah. okay, gotcha. I'd love to play the little. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll uh, scan it and send send it over to you guys. No problem. It's nice of you. That's so I'm nice. Canadian. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, we just talked a lot about Root. Is there anything that is on your radar that either of you are really excited about next? Yeah, I on Sunday dipped my toes into Twilight Imperium. Oh, oh, was wait wait was Megan in this one? No, oh. no, 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 no. <laughs> Tristan spent like two days watching videos about yeah. the rules, and I was Try like, me. no. I, I'm pretty sure there's no, two days no. worth of uh, rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is. Yeah, I, we have um, two friends who are really, really into board games, and one of them had started playing. They played one game of Twilight Imperium with a couple of other of his friends, and I was interested in meeting those friends. So he was like, perfect. We want to play Twilight Imperium. We need this number of people. And it's this particular group. So we started on Sunday and I watched a couple of YouTube videos and I was like, wow, I have 
no idea what's going on. Um, but it was really, really fun. By the time I knew what I was doing, I don't think that I was playing the game. I think I was just sort of enacting the rules. Uh, and, like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, moving forward, I wasn't <laughs> making any strategic decisions. I was just doing what I could. Mm-hmm. But super, super fun. And I'm, we only played two hours. And I think we played two rounds. So <laughs> wow. Maybe even four hours. And we played two rounds. Wow. That I mean, is, is it, were you, are you hyped? Because there's an expansion coming out too, which is just as big as the main game. <laughs> I did not even know there is an expansion. Oh, really? Coming. Yeah, it's coming out. I don't know if it's coming out no. this before Christmas or after Christmas. But yeah, there's an expansion coming out for it. So that's crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. I really like yeah. it. But it is... It is a beast. <laughs> I don't think that game's ever going to get to our table. I don't think so either. It's because it's going to, well, I mean, if we, if it ever does, it's going to be just like what Tristan's saying. It's going to be like a whole day. What about you, Megan? I am really excited about a game that same friends introduced Tristan and I to, but however, knowing that I didn't want to play Twilight Imperium, <laughs> um, we played Spirit Island. Oh, that's a good one which I really enjoyed and I haven't been able to play it since because, you know, social distancing and everything. So I really want my own copy. I thought it was really cool themes, you know, like anti-colonialism and all of that. So fun. (laughs) (laughs) But the other game that I'm... This is more intriguing to me is I have been looking forward to getting my hands on a copy of Fort. Oh. Which is Letter Games' kind of kid-friendly game. That came out recently. Yeah, we were just playing that and before. I just think it looks so fun, and I want to. Try we were literally it. just playing that like right before we, we got on this call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're actually Matt and I are starting up a Twitch channel to to live stream some games, and that's going to be the first game that we play. Well, I'm oh, awesome. Let us know when it is because yeah, I have been dying to play. It's it. awesome. And our friendly local game store doesn't have it yet, but fingers crossed. You could actually order it right from Letter Games. And in in Canada, shipping is only like 10 extra dollars or something. So there you go. Fun fact. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty good and unusual for Canadian shipping. Yeah, I know. Seriously. It's crazy. But yeah, no, it's a great, that's actually a really good game. Have you ever played Deck Builders? Have either of you played Deck Builders before? Only a couple. Yeah, I don't know enough about games to even give you one. (laughs) (laughs) I forget what the one we played was, but it was a very long time Uh, ago. Dominion, maybe? I think it was a Dominion-like game. Okay. It wasn't Dominion. It it wasn't Dominion, but it was, I remember the person teaching it to us said, this is like Dominion. (laughs) And I said, I've never played Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> what am I playing? What did I sign up yeah. for? Tristan, are we on a board game podcast? And we don't even know any board games. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> okay. We know a lot about specific games. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. No, like deck builders are awesome. And it's one of our favorite genres to play. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, like Fort is a very different take on a deck builder. Like it has very different mechanics, which makes it unique and really fun. And it's not overly complicated either, which makes it very accessible to a lot of different people. And right. that's why we like it. And so like, I actually think Dominion's harder <laughs> than playing Fort. I agree. Yeah, I I I uh, can't wait to hear your opinion on it because it's a very, very good game. Yeah, I'm excited. Believe the hype. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good, good. Because, okay, this is a hot take, but there's been some games that I've seen a lot of hype about that I have been told aren't as hype as as the hype. (laughs) Okay, like what? Like Like what? um, I could, I don't know. Like Wingspan? Yeah, you know what? I actually think Tapestry is better 
But I am a very un I have a very unpopular opinion about that because wingspan would appeal to a lot more people. Tapestry is mm-hmm. more yeah. it's more strategy based, so like every tile has a different rule. Whereas in wingspan, you're mm-hmm. collecting birds, but generally everything is the same. Right. Yeah, that's what we were kind of told as well. That if we liked root, maybe this was not for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think wingspan got a lot of a lot of uh, hate because it won like so many awards last year. It won everything. It won it just best swept. podcast. It won best <laughs> It's like an ongoing game. joke for us. But, uh, it just sort of like won everything. You can't, argue, you can't argue with the Cadbury eggs. Oh, yeah, that's the I best mean. part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks so tasty. It's The, the game's good, and we it's enjoy good. playing it, but I can see like why people don't enjoy it. I don't see why it won all the awards it did last year's uh, Spiels, well, but... I, 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 I see why because it, you know it's a Stonemaier game, so right away Stonemaier is the Nintendo of board games, so they're gonna put top quality yes. things into it. So all the pieces are really nice, as you saw, like you said, the Cadbury eggs—they're amazing ceramic eggs. They're awesome. They have like a bird feeder, which is like a full wooden—it's like a dice—it's like a dice tower. You throw dice in it and roll it, and you roll dice through this tower. But it's really beautiful. It looks like a bird feeder. All the pieces are top quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game. I, Okay, so I actually introduced that game to a couple non-advanced gamers, and they really, they really liked it. But their one complaint is that the rule book is really complicated. And the thing is, oh. the game isn't really that complicated, right? Like I've explained it to you, John, and you got it really quickly, right? Yes. But imagine reading the <laughs> rule book where it's just like there's like rule upon rule, and they're doing it to clarify everything. But yeah. it's just like it's so complicated. Like it doesn't need to be that that complicated the rule book for seven wonders is like that oh my so on a funny note know how you sent us (laughs) the your podcast notes i was actually gonna bring that up which i'll save it for your podcast so if you're listening please do listen to the girl beats nerd podcast because i'm gonna talk exactly how i feel about the seven wonders rule book (laughs) (laughs) that rule book made me cry no kidding the teaser trailer. I, yeah, <laughs> and I did I did listen to your podcast about that too, which which I actually was like dying laughing when you said that because I'm like, yeah, that's how I felt too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're gonna leave it at that. So thank you for listening and make sure you check out our crossover episode with the Girl Meets Nerd podcast with Megan and Tristan. Yes. So you can find that on yes so you can find the girl meets nerd podcast at girlmeetsnerd.com on spotify itunes google podcasts or apple music you can also find us on twitter and instagram at girl meets nerd all right thanks again megan and tristan for joining us on our podcast and thank you all for listening if you like what you hear don't forget to leave us a review on apple Podcasts or hit that follow button on your favorite streaming platform is there a game you'd like us to check out or talk about or have you created a game that you want us to preview let us know by emailing us at info at FridayNight.Games. Don't forget to check us out on our social medias, Instagram at FridayNightGames underscore official, and Twitter at FridayNightGMS, and on our website, FridayNight.Games. And don't forget to check out next Friday for our next episode of Friday Night Games. And remember, it's Friday night, and let's have some fun.